With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Well, folks, we made it. Week one coming up here on the Jets All The Way podcast brought to you by Elite Sports New York. I'm Jeff Magliacetti. He's Rob Sabo, and we're here to break down the Jets' new roster as they head into week one against the Buffalo Bills. Rob, officially, happy football. Yes, we are four days away now, three days away. I mean, I... I'm so excited, I can hardly contain myself. Of course, we are six days away from the Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills in what will bookend the season. Jets taking on Buffalo in Weeks 1 and 17. The latter matchup, of course, coming in Orchard Park again against at New Era Field. So with that, we take a look at this roster right now for the New York Jets. The Jets named their original 53-man roster on Saturday afternoon, and then made a couple moves on the waiver wire on Sunday. And Rob, I think we've discussed this on the program several times before. It is just absolutely great to see that Joe Douglas is fulfilling a promise he insisted on that he made in his introductory press conference to go to the waiver wire. It seems like you and I have Christmas morning. He has the waiver wire. Yeah, and not only that, he, he understands what a football player should be. Oh, yeah. Un- unlike previous regimes, previous general managers, he understands talent is only one fraction of the overall piece of pie. Mm-hmm. And it's evident with where Ja'Kai Polite is right now. That's um, right. He, he understands talent is such a fraction. When he was asked during the combine, hey, Ja'Kai, by a reporter, what do you need to do to improve when you look at yourself on film? And Ja'Kai Polite responds, I've never really watched myself on film. That statement is enough to say no thanks, no matter where you get him in the draft. And it it showed, what was it, over $100,000 worth of fines? Yeah, a single summer. That's You have to try to do that. And the words around Burgundy, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so so skillful. How do you do that? Mm. You can't can't accidentally rack up $100,000. That's... uh, you got to put some effort into that. You got to have a calendar, organize yeah. your fines. That, that's ridiculous. In a single summer, no way. It's, it's incredible. So, you know, talent is only a piece of the pie. Um, whereas the previous general manager looked at talent as kind of a hundred percent of the overall uh, package, and it's just not the way to build a football team. Adam Gay speaking today at Jets practice. No longer camp. We're in the practice stage now. Another sign we are oh so close to football. Adam Gay spoke on the Ja'Kai Polite release. He said he on why he didn't give Polite a year to develop. He said, quote, I just think the body of work of kind of everything that we've done since we've been here, we felt like Kyle Phillips really earned his spot. That's what we're about. We're about the guys that do it the way we need it done. Best guys are going to make 
the team. So strong words from Joe Douglas in that release and strong words from Gaze today at Jets practice. And Rob, I believe you were pretty high on Kyle Phillips, actually. Yeah, I liked Phillips. Um, yeah, today both of us weren't at the facility, but the transcript came over. Um, I like Phillips a lot. He's one of those tweeners with Henry Anderson and Kafusi. Kuf- mm. I hope I'm saying that right. In which they're actual they're actually interior linemen, but they play a lot of edge in the Greg Williams system. That's why on the 53 man roster they have how many interior linemen? Nine, ten. Yeah. Eight, yeah. nine, ten, something along those lines, because a few of those guys can also play edge. Right. Also today at Florham Park, Gase kind of gave a sly message to wrap up polite that there was division with that pick between mm-hmm. him and McCagnan uh, in the third round with polite. And that makes it all the more interesting that they made the McCagnan move so late in the offseason. It adds another fold to the Douglas-Gates relationship. And it's just good to see that those guys appear to be on the same page at this point. And, you know, once again, it's great to see Douglas being so active. Everyone else is everyone else is playing, I don't know, Tecmo Bowl out there. It feels like Douglas is playing Madden with all the roster moves that he's making out there. He was very, 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 very active during the offseason. And he did a solid job in the sense that, you know, he brought in guys that would be familiar to Gase and to some of the other coaches. A notable example was the release uh, Stephen Stephen Anthony in that he worked with uh, Joe Vitt, the linebackers coach over in New Orleans when he was a first-round pick of the Saints, and worked with Gase when he spent some time with the Dolphins last season. So very interesting to see Douglas work to these guys' strengths. And another practice squad addition that I found most interesting was uh, reported first by ESPN's uh, Field Yates, has yet to be confirmed by the team, but when they picked up Josh Adams in free agency, Adams had 511 rushing yards last year as a member of the Eagles, of course, Douglas's old stomping grounds, and that tally ranked good for 10th in amongst all rookies last season and led the Philadelphia Eagles team. So it's great to see that Gase and Douglas appear to be on the same page with these guys. They're complimenting each other. They're helping each other out. And, you know, it's just strong to see after McCagnan's thoughts of last year when he was saying that he wouldn't want to hire a coach that demanded total control. And we forget so easily that Gase is not Douglas's hire. He's not douglas's guy so it's great to see that they had the same kind of synergy yeah i I keep slapping myself because everything the jets are doing is tremendous is 100 tremendous where they're taking the direction and i keep slapping myself because i can i can't remember a point in time when this has been the case other than mangini and tannenbaum's uh first two years first year really and parcells in 97 I can't think of a more perfect uh, direction that they've taken it. And more important than direction, hiring the right football people to take them in that direction. Yeah, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, it feels like, at this point. Just waiting for reality to set in. But seems like Douglas knows what he's doing out there. Of course, that that we will see if that holds true as we move to on-field activities. Now, something that was interesting to me, being a former special teamer and all, and we actually have some uh, breaking news. The Jets have confirmed right now they have actually brought back Albert McClellan and have placed Brett Cavalli on IR. So we were just talking about before the before we went on here. So just making some transactions. And they also had two more names to the practice squad. The aforementioned Josh Adams and tight end Ian Bunting. They joined that group, a group that will be 11 men rather than the standard 10 with the addition of international free agent 
Valentine Holmes. Now, taking a look at that roster, uh, I was uh, I was mentioning before we got this breaking news in how I was very intrigued by the kicker situation this year in that they let Jason Myers walk to Seattle and they tried to fill in the void with Chandler Catanzaro. Then they tried to fill in the void with Taylor Bertolette when when Catanzaro retired. And now the, the new name is Corey Vedvik, who steps in from Minnesota. And Minnesota, I'm not sure what sort of podiatry deity they ticked off down there. They've never had the best luck with kickers down there. Everyone knows the stories of Gary Anderson and Blair Walsh. Even Dan Bailey stepped in there and couldn't. The, 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 a god amongst accuracy amongst NFL kickers. You know, he couldn't even solve the kicking problems they had down there. Vedvik came in was a bit of a stud with the Baltimore Ravens in the sense that, you know, he did a great job as Justin Tucker's understudy over there, a bit of a summer camp leg for him coming in, saving Tucker's leg for the regular season. And then he went to Minnesota and only went one of four on field goals right now. So, and the one make was from 27 yards out. So this got me thinking a little bit, Rob. Why not to capitalize on something to, you know, not take advantage of in a way, but to, you know, bring somebody in, why not Carly Lloyd, if you know what I mean? Oh, man. I this don't know. Is, it's an interesting situation with Carly Lloyd in that she's out there. She kicked a 55-yard field goal. The video went viral. She was over at an Eagles-Ravens joint practice, 55 yards out. And look, uh, speak. I, I, got to, I got to see Carly Lloyd on uh, – NFL Total Access on NFL Network recently. And, you know, she seemed more than willing to, to you know, put herself in a way to the rigorous, to, to the rigorous strains that football has. And she seems to, she seems to understand the risks and is ready to go. She flat out admitted that, you know, she, she's, she wants to do this. And, you know, she, if it was a quarterback or running back type of spot, it probably wouldn't go well, but you know, she, this is a challenge that she probably would want to see and probably would have taken had the United States women's soccer team, not had a game on Thursday night's uh, week week four preseason games. They were actually over in Philadelphia, and ironically, she scored the third goal in a 4 nothing win in an international friendly over Portugal. So that's something I found very interesting and something that, you know, it would be such an ideal spot for her, you know, to come in because she would not be a gimmick signing. She would fulfill a need that the Jets desperately need. And what it's inter- what's interesting for the Jets, you know, you have hope for this offense, but this offense has so much sputter potential, I feel. Like, they're there, but they're not fully there. There's no doubt they've improved this offseason. But there's a sense that, you know, they could be settling for a lot of field goals this year. And Myers was there to pick up the slack for them last season. His 36 attempts were good for a fourth-place tie in the league, while his extra point attempts were good for a 12th-place tie. A bunch of other guys bunch of guys in front of in front of him and the other 12 players or so i think you really need to solidify this k- kicking position carly lloyd maybe that's a discussion for another day so i the jets really have to hope that they have their man in Corey vedvik here well a lot of things let's mm-hmm. deep into this carly lloyd let's dig into this carly lloyd thing yeah. what, what's the latest news who invited her what teams has she visited with well she hasn't she had that that the information has become public yet in a way, but she has said she got some, quote, serious offers from NFL teams. So that's very telling, I think. And okay. here's here's the way I look at it. Go ahead. In terms of August, if you're an owner, meeting with her, having her come in, there's no losing there. That's a publicity situation. That's great for the headlines. That's a That's a realistic step. Right. The next step is where we get into the real – 
the real nitty gritty. Is she good? We have to see video of her doing it in high pressure situations. Sometimes I think we we think these guys are it's easy to do this. Right. To have someone, it doesn't matter, male, female, whoever, right. someone come in and actually outperform a, a fringe, you know, NFL or even D1 kicker. No, it's a good that point. is such a tough deal. That is such a tough situation. It is so not I, a shame in her case that the preseason is over, that this situation arose so late in the preseason that by the time they were ready to, you know, get her on a get her on the field potentially, uh, everything was wrapping up and the and scheduling played a bit of a villain as well. So it's a bit of a shame in that regard. I'll fully admit. Yeah, if I'm an owner, yeah, I'll call her up. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll get get it leaked out there that we're interested in talking to her and having her come in. But there's no losing there. There's no that's a great publicity stunt. I I wonder if she met with teams or she just or they just uh sent interest her way. Did she actually have a tryout? That's what I that's what I'm wondering. I don't believe there was an official tryout just yet. The Jets actually did bring in some veterans. We talked about it earlier this offseason, I believe. Uh Cody Parkey and Blair Walsh were some of the veterans they brought in. And you know, you talk about uh the publicity type thing. The Jets do have to avoid you know, gimmick type setting, gimmick type signings. And I don't think this would be a gimmick type signing. It would, again, fulfill a need they desperately have. They need to have the safety net of a reliable kicker that year, or this year. And, you know, this would not be like, for example, the Tim Tebow situation where, you know, they brought him in. And the last thing that team needed was a quarterback controversy with Mark Sanchez. And, Lo and behold, it happened, and there was disagreements on how Tebow would be used. And next thing you know, it turned into a complete failure and a total la- and turned the Jets into a total laughing stock. And they really still haven't recovered from that rut that began all those years ago. So, I believe we're about year six, year uh, seven of that at this point. So, I'm interested to see where the Carly Lloyd situation goes. But I think we could both agree that the Jets need to resolve this kicking situation now, especially because they let Myers walk. Yeah, they need to resolve it. Yeah, the Carly Lloyd. I am, I'm a hard no against it until or unless I see her actually somewhat show that she could. The one, the one video we saw, she was taking five steps before the before the field goal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying she can't do it, but the questions are so great at the moment. You know that that's the thing I'm worried about. Um, Vedvik, he's from Norway. I yeah. see here. I did not know that. Went to Marshall. I mean, hey, we'll we'll see. It's going to be a weekly process with this kicking situation. I mean, it's unfortunate it had to come to this. And again, regarding Lloyd, again, it's just a shame that this arose so late. So she never, she couldn't get an in-game opportunity. But we'll see Red's situation heads, and then we'll definitely keep you updated on it. But at this point, the Jets would be, in terms of destinations for her, it would be a solid option. No doubt. Yeah, it, in terms of yeah, need at the position, the Jets oh. are right up there at the top of the list. No yeah. doubt. It's probably it's probably the Jets are one, and Chicago is one A with what yeah. they're doing down there. Eddie Pinero won the starting job down there. He has yet to kick in an NFL regular season game, but we will assess. We will keep assessing that situation as the year goes on. So, looking at the rest of this fifty-three man roster, are there any surprises that stood out to you, Rob? Uh, I'm surprised at how heavy. They are on the offensive line. We just heard that Quali is now gone, IR. So that makes more sense. They, they kept nine instead of 10. 
Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they only kept three tight ends instead of four. Gase likes 13 personnel. He likes using three tight end sets. Mm-hmm. So if one gets injured, one is unavailable. There goes that. They only have three on the roster. I'm surprised they only kept five receivers. Uh, I am shocked, actually. I, I would assume they would have kept six, uh, six, even if they signed Berrios, keeping Dorch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I am shocked. Dorch is no longer on the 53. Agree 100%. Because I, I felt Dorch really established himself this preseason. He scored a touchdown in the Jets' first preseason game via receiving. His punt return yardage, uh, in terms of total yards, I believe that ranked 10th amongst all returners in the NFL this preseason. So he really made a name for himself, established himself for a bit. And I'm surprised that they they brought him back on this roster only to dispose of him so quick. And you know, it'd be great to see him return to the return on the practice squad, but I think some other team is going to scoop him up real quick. And, you know, it's really nothing on Dorch. You know, he really came back. He really came in here as an undrafted free agent, did everything that was asked of him. And, you know, it's it's just, that's football. It's nothing personal, just business. Yeah, and, and with the receivers, on top of that, Bellamy is one of the five receivers. He's a special teamer. Yeah. You don't really want to use him on offense too much. So, uh, it really thin there. Expect that to change eventually. Um, I'm not shocked at McGuire. I think we, we talked about it in July. I, when, I, when I got there in July, I saw McGuire. He looked a little heavier. He's he's the worst in the receiving game of all the backs, and Gase doesn't like that. So not surprised about McGuire. Um, what else? I mean, pretty much every they're heavy on the interior, light on the outside. They Maybe are that's heavy. a nod to Joe Douglas. I don't know, but we'll but we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. They seem to be a bit of head a bit of heavy on safeties too. Of course, veteran Doug Middleton was released in the second in the second smaller second wave of cuts on Sunday. So interesting to see that. They're really prepping the secondary this year. And you take a look at who was available. I'm really shocked the Jets, for example, didn't go after some names at linebacker. Two names I'm shocked that didn't come up on the waiver wire were uh, Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, not the Dunn mm-hmm. receiver, Brandon Marshall and Malcolm Smith, because those guys who come in, they could give you the experience. They could bring the mentorship and they still have some left in the tank, I feel. So I'm really shocked the Jets didn't try to go out there and add one of them. I am interested to see John Franklin Myers, a defensive end who came in from the LA Rams. So that's going to be an interesting subplot moving forward. And if you want to talk about a good omen, John Franklin Myers in his last game, Super Bowl 53, he had a sack and forced fumble on none other than Tom Brady. So if you're a Jets fan, hard to see much of a better omen right there, don't you think? Yeah, nah, <laughs> you, you said that to me. It got me a little excited. <laughs> I forgot about his sack in the Super Bowl. I mean, um, I think we forgot a lot about that Super Bowl, let's be honest. But <laughs> it, And it's a shame, too, because the Rams had him right where they needed him. They were playing tremendous defense early on, but... Just Wade Phillips just didn't keep it going. He he tried to get too cute, and it uh, opened everything up. But or anything, so yeah. But uh, yeah, he fits in. I'm trying to see how big he is. Is he is he big like Leonard and Quinnen, or is he more of a smaller interior guy? Franklin Myers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, trying to think that uh, he's spent uh several years in this. So he is uh six four two eighty eight. Okay, so he's. Like we discussed before, I think, off-air, he's one of those tweeners again. Mm. When you look at the defensive line, you got two different types. you got the defensive tackle, who's 300-plus pounds, and then you got the tweener, who plays some edge, plays some inside, does both. 
and that consists of Henry Anderson, John Franklin Myers, Bronson Kufosi, and one more guy I'm not thinking of. Phillips, Kyle Phillips. So when you look at those interior guys, think of those four as the tweeners and the other guys as the big boys who never go to the outside. Looking at this roster, interesting to see. No further surprises from my end. I got to say, good job keeping two quarterbacks on this roster. Trevor Simeon, far and away, was the best of the backup quarterbacks. The Sam Darnold understudies, the ideal backup over there. I am a little surprised they let go of the FIU pairing at linebacker of James Burgess and Anthony Wint. That was a little bit of a shock to me. So other than that, really no surprises from this roster. And this is the one that will face off against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, MetLife Stadium, 1 p.m. Rob, what are your initial thoughts going into this one? Um, McCoy to Kansas City, which screws my fantasy team because I have Darwin Thompson. Mm. That's my first thought. But Jets, Bills, I forgot who said it to me. Um, maybe it was on the radio. Costello said to Benigno. Oh, no, Benigno said it to Costello. What are the odds Andre Roberts takes the opening kickoff for a touchdown? <laughs> that's the way a Joe Benigno Jets fan would think. Uh, but no, it, it, if the Jets want to be a serious team, they have to win this game. There's no question about it. And look for Gase early to just to dial it up and take what the defense gives them and look to see if Darnold has complete freedom at the line of scrimmage. If he does, get ready for a good offensive season. Yes, absolutely. And week one against Buffalo, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm mentioned uh, kick returns and the Buffalo Bills. I'm reminded of the Jets uh, opener in 2002. Drew Bledsoe's first game as a Bill. Chad Morton taking back the overtime kickoff. Back for a touchdown after Bledsoe led a crazy comeback for Buffalo up in Orchard Park. So Chad Morton, one of two touchdowns he had in that game. So those are some great, interesting special teams memories. And uh, you look at the Jets right now. Of course, last year at MetLife Stadium, the Bills ran them out of the building with Matt Barkley at quarterback. So interesting to see if they'll be motivated by revenge. I th- I'm sure that's still on their minds. I guarantee you Jamal Adams will bring that up at some point this week. So will be interesting to see. I remember the last time when they faced off against the Bills in December last year, of course, that big win, which I thought was well worth the lost draft position. Very good job. Very good job by them. We've got Darnold on track, set him up for a big finish. Yada, yada, yada. And Jamal Adams said leading into that matchup that revenge was on his mind. He remembered what the Bills did to them in that 41-10 obliteration. So I'm interested to see how much the Jets remember that. I think Adams will be leading the charge for that. There's going to be no better way to open this era than with a Jets victory. But then again, they have to come out strong. They can't come out sloppy. They have to do the little things right in this game. So eager to see what comes out of it. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be two court, two young quarterbacks going at it. The Jets build some. The Jets builds rivalry. Guess what? It means something again. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict something. It's gonna be somewhat low score. You might see these offenses sputter a bit, especially with the Jets still trying to get used to some of the newcomers in their roster in the form of Le'Veon Bell in the form of Ryan Khalil, but. Right now, I'm thinking the Jets are going to take this one. I'm going to say it goes by a 17 to 16 final. I remember that Ch- uh, Morton game like it was yesterday. A <laughs> um, couple of matchups to look at. 
Brian Poole will be tested right away with Cole Beasley. Yes. Cole Beasley may be a number three receiver on this depth chart, but he will lead the team in targets. Uh, I think over Zay Jones, John Brown, I think he's their number one wideout. And I think that favors the Jets because Brian Poole at nickel is a better situation than Tremaine as the number one or Doyle Roberts as the number two. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a good matchup for the Jets in considering their dire need for corners. Right. Offensively, Ryan Khalil against the rookie, Ed Oliver, right in the middle there. Or Star Latulier, who, who's been around for a while now, the Carolina high draft pick. Offensive line versus that big defensive front. Brian Poole against Beasley. Can they generate a pass rush against this O-line? They got the rookie, Cody Ford, starting at right tackle. How often is Greg Williams going to spy Josh Allen? Josh Allen is a running fool. How often is he going to use Mosley or Hewitt or neither and let Adams kind of try to clean it up if Josh Allen runs? So those are a few matchups to keep an eye on. I'll go, if we're going to go predictions, I'll go. You know, I expect the line and Le'Veon to, to struggle early on. So expect the pass, heavy dose of three-step passing early on, Le'Veon included. Um, I'll go 27-14, Jets. Okay, fair enough. I like it. We're looking forward to it. Can't wait to see it. Football is back, people. Thank you for tuning in to the Jets All The Way podcast. We'll be back every week previewing every game, recapping everything that's going on. And we want to get you, the fans, involved at some point this year. So feel free to send us in your questions. We'll answer them on the show. We're really looking forward to having you guys on. So we'll definitely get you guys more involved this year as the season moves forward. For Robbie Sabo, I'm Jeff Magliacetti. Thanks for listening, folks. 